Fuck me harder. Fuck me harder, daddy. Fuck me like the I am. Put it daddy. I don't even care. I don't care who sees me. Them can't fuck with me. They can't see a like yours. Fuck me, daddy. Fuck me, dad. Oh, hello. I'm Derek, and I'm the host of Ratchet Book Club. We read hood classics and good classics, and that means anything from Old Thought Next Door to The Phantom Tollbooth. We read a few chapters every episode, and then we discuss what we thought of each chapter before we get to the next one. It's pretty enlightening. Sometimes you find out things you never knew, like did you know that somebody's... Ratchet Book Club. We're available on Spotify, iTunes, Anchor, and anywhere else you really could think of good fucking podcast should be at. Scary Ghost. Creepy Serial Killers. All things that go bump in the night. Enjoy the view from the open shutters. <laughs> hey, creepsters, I'm Barry Marino. I'm Philip Landry. And this is another episode, our first episode of Open Shutters, a creepy podcast in 2022. Finally. Yeah, finally. We finally got here. We had a few little things that kept us away. Uh, by the way, we're sponsored by Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. Anyway, um, we both were, you you were kind of um, ill, huh? I, I think I might have got the, got the Omicron. Thank God I was uh, boosted and everything, but... Uh, yeah, my partner, he, he 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 knowingly brought it in and gave it to me. Well, everybody in our house got this thing. Well, we got tested January 4th. Me, Roz, and Curtis. And Lance never did get tested, but Lance is getting sick. And, and um, we came back negative for the COVID. But then I was hearing at the time in which y'all got tested, they were having problems with the test. Like, that's so, what I hear, too. And that's why I'm not totally so, convinced. No. What we had wasn't COVID, because this is these were my symptoms. I had a sore throat and a, the swollen glands, and it was bringing on this headache. Like it, my, I think, my, I think it was connected it. to my ears, and then I had also a fever. It wasn't a real high fever. It was like a, maybe a hundred, and I had a cough, but the congestion wasn't in my lungs or my chest. It was in my throat. It was almost like a strep throat kind of thing. <clears throat> I still have a little bit of the cough, as you can tell. But we were out. Like, what we, we haven't done. A, we, our last uh, podcast was, what, December 29th? It's been a, yeah, it was back. <laughs> it was at the very end. It was the Dark Shadows so, episode. Yeah, the Dark Shadows episode. And we have uh, this uh, this episode. We have, we got a lot of catching up to do. But yeah. 2022 has been big on the depths. Sure We're going to have... Eight obits in this it's, in this episode. Luckily, we didn't join them. No, but that's because we got yeah. our vaccines, thank God. But yeah, I was the whole last week. I was like the goddamn Rona. <laughs> I was even I was even playing the uh, Big Frida's uh, her, her, her twerking song Rona Rona back oh. from uh, she had put out around October of 2020. 
Oh. I was playing it around the house because I was so annoyed that I had caught the barrier. It was it was kind of a rough thing. And you know, the funny thing about it is I still went to work. Oh, I know. I know you did. My boss made... My boss let me not do the garbage and cleaning up. He said as long as my warm body was there to take money. I'm wondering how many people I affected. But you were wearing thing. a mask and stuff, you said. You keeping... You were cleaning your hands and stuff. Well, I had... I was wearing... Yeah, and I was also wearing latex gloves. Yeah. Like I do when I clean up. So the I was little, trying, we, but I mean, you, you know, mask doesn't really protect you that much. I don't think, I don't, I don't know about this mask stuff. Now, I don't know in your household, but my household, it seems like the kitty cat got it. Little Foss man, he got it. Little well, Foss I don't know. Man. We have the two cats, but. Um, the dogs, it doesn't, aren't supposed to catch it. But cats can get it. And no, we, the cats didn't think, look like they were sick or anything. Foss was a little, he was a little down around the same time I was. So we think we both. Uh, contracted it from Jim. So. Yeah, and uh, you know, it was it, it it was kind of rough because I was just coming back from that stomach virus that I had in December, mm-hmm. right around Christmas time, and I'm just getting over that, and then I get this. So I'm hoping this is the last thing. The goddamn Rona for a while, at least. So uh, we we've been watching anything on TV? Well, first off, we went and saw a movie this week. Finally, we finally, finally we made we it back to the movies. We made it back to the movies <laughs> that we usually go every week. I know we just haven't been able to get it with everything going and on. What was it we saw? We saw the new Scream. Yeah. Kinda, I don't know what, what what technically was it. It was not really a reboot or it was, a reboot. Yeah, what, it what, what was, it was more of a, like a sequel. It was kind of like the Halloween. Uh, and are they like the term in the show calling it a requel almost? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and um, and uh, let's see, David Arquette was back, and Courtney Cox and. Nev Campbell, but they also had a whole new cast. I don't want to give any spoilers, but I will say there's just one thing without trying to, hopefully I'm not giving a spoiler, but I did kind of like the feeling of kind of where it was kind of like, especially for the older millennials and definitely Generation X, it was kind of like a little bit of an F you to uh, some of Gen Z's attitudes yeah. at certain points. And that was kind of funny. I got to admit, you, kind of, you might have found that funny too, didn't you? Especially with Courtney Cox and um, <laughs> Courtney Cox, yeah. Well, she's Gen X. That's right. She, she's almost a boomer. Yeah, she actually is. Lisa Kudrow is actually a boomer. You know, she's she's nineteen sixty. And David Arquette, he would be X, wouldn't he? Still? Oh, he is. Yeah, but he's he's him and Courtney Cox are real close in age. Yeah, like they're on the older side X, but then they're also, early X. So they, they you know, they're in their fifties. They're in like maybe even their late. And then Campbell, she should be as well. She should be X as well. She's uh. She's in her forties. Yeah, that's X. Yeah, maybe. Because you, know, you have to remember, actually, I'm I'm actually what they call a, an exennial. Now you got me. I got to look. Up I was born in 1981, age. so I'm like at the I mean, very beginning of millennials, but they also count us at the very end of X generation. They put us in this little other subcategory. Okay, we can find out how old Kenneth Campbell is. You can find out how she's old. 48. Oh yeah, she's totally she's Gen, 1973. Gen X. She's totally Gen X. Now she's almost 50. Oh my goodness! She's born in 1973. Yeah. Oh, and we also um, I, I was watching um, Archive 81. Have I haven't got that? to seen it yet. I haven't seen it yet. Really, what you think? Re- I watched the trailer. Really, really good. It, it's 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 very sci-fi and horror, and Ooh. it has a, it has a little bit of a time travel like. 70s 
not really time. I don't know how to. I, I don't know how to explain it without giving spoilers. Don't yeah, don't. But it, it's it, intriguing. It's, lot, it's intriguing, and it has a lot to do with alternate realities and things like that. Uh, the plot, without giving anything away, is a young man who is hired by this this billionaire to restore these old VHS tapes. Don't give me anything else. It already sounds intriguing. Especially for me having grown up. I grew up in the 80s, so I'm sitting here. I'm like, that was the era of the VHS. The VHS. And you remember the little VHS that uh, that went in the camcorders? Oh, gosh. He restores kind of those. He restores Uh, those. Okay, no, no, no. Don't give me anything else. What did they call those uh, those little tapes? Uh, VHS Plus or something? There was a name. Yeah, I'm trying to remember now. I can't remember. Shall I look it up? If you want to, I can't remember what those are called. But I know what you're talking about. Where you put them in into the uh, camcorder to, to to yeah ah. And then there was also what's mentioned in it is, do you remember the Fisher Price um, um, camcorder where they used audio tapes and they gave this real grainy black and white image? Oh gosh! They only made them in the '80s, I think. They were little kids. <laughs> they use audio cassette tapes. That's mentioned in there too, but that's all I'm going to say. Anyway, so anything else? Oh, oh yeah. Well, we started watching Invisible City, which is pretty good too. It's a Brazilian show. Okay, you know what you think of that? And so far, so good. We saw like about three episodes, and it's and what's that based on? It's sort of a it's it's very it's a very sci-fi sort of a. Um, uh, like shapeshifters kind kind of things, and uh, you know, like kind of like were creatures mm. that turn from animal to human and everything. But yeah, I love that. The, and this is on. Plus, Netflix. I got this a hunky guy that has a and lot. And this is of, on Netflix. Yeah, they, I'm glad that they're making. I'm, I'm glad Netflix really and like I guess it was in the last couple of years they've finally started releasing their entire ca- like worldwide catalog to everyone. In real time, because we used to have to wait, and we'd only get certain shows. Remember? Yeah. Now it's like everything's opening up yeah. worldwide to everyone. The only thing that, that and is I that like it. The dubbing gets a little bit annoying. Well, I debate on whether if a dubbing is done well, I'll use the dubbing. This one, is if not, the dubbing is not done well, then Portuguese I will do doesn't match with English well. Uh yeah. So no, I'll usually do the subtitles. Then. But they got like a real, a really hunky leading man who has a lot of shirtless scenes. Nothing really. You don't see much. I mean, it's you see him in the shower, but you only see him like from the waist up. See, the last really good Brazilian one I had been watching was the Three Percent. I don't know if y'all had watched. It's that in one. that same kind of uh, production. Oh, I'm sure it's the same yeah. similar company. If it was Netflix, they're working with that. So yeah, no, I'll definitely uh, have to check that out. Invisible City. I finally got to sit down during all this madness and being feeling sick and all. I finally got to binge uh, the second season of The Witcher. Yes. Mm-hmm. Ah, didn't burn, like butcher six, burn. <laughs> good old, good old Yasker, honey. But uh, I, I don't want to give too much plot away. But I was a little disappointed that um, they didn't put it in Henry Cavell's uh, contract, like the first season, for the shirt to come off. And yeah, all. that was that was a little disappointment for season two. Uh, I hate to spoil that for y'all to tell y'all if y'all were expecting yeah. to see more shirtless Henry Cavell, but they just it doesn't. It doesn't show up. That's not saying that Henry Cavell's not good in season two. He really is, but just not shirtless. He's not. Yeah, yeah. They don't show enough skin. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what I'm... I mean, come on. 
I mean, it, that's what we want to see. That's what the people. And have you been watching? Any, is that it as well? We got talking about what's supposed. We're to all talking about more, but we got so we have many obits. Eight obits. We have lost two, uh, three comedians, a murderer, <laughs> a, a prominent uh, film director, and two musicians. So. We're going to start off, first of all, with the very last celebrity death of 2021, America's grandmother, and if this isn't a clue, nothing is. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down the road and back again. Your heart is true. You're a pal and a confidant. Dun, and if you threw a party... And invited everyone you knew. You would see the biggest gift would be for me. And the card attached would say, thank you for being a friend. Y'all guessed who it is yet? I'm sure it's been all over the news. We lost Betty White. We've been talking about how we're trying to protect Betty White all this time. We, I was de- I'm serious. Like I'm seriously crying a little bit right now. I was de- I'm devastated every time I think about she's not with us. Because okay? she was two weeks away from her two or three weeks was it away from her hundredth birthday. There was that, but there was just so much more. Betty Betty White isn't like our other kind of obits that we do and other things. I mean, she it, it wasn't even the fact that she was an icon or a legend or thing. It was it went far beyond that. I think she got into everyone's consciousness as always being here. Like she's always, always this thing. Yeah. She, she was she was this 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 comfort. You'd always come back to and this. And she this goes person. way back. I mean, she goes back before you were born. She goes back before I was born. I remember, now you see I'm a lot older than you. I remember on Password, Alan Ludden and her and they announced that they were getting married. And he said something like, this lovely lady finally said yes. Because he had kept on trying to propose and she kept on saying no, 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 no. She didn't want to get married. Well, they did get married and she wound up having an instant family and she raised her her stepchildren like they're her own. And they love her. I mean, like like their mother. Because their own mother was dead. She was their mother. She was the mother they knew. And um, she was always on TV. And then she used to have the show about the pets. And I saw her go from a brunette to a redhead to a, to a redhead to a blonde to a gray-haired old lady. I saw her go through all those. But she always had that smile. Now, the smile. My my, uh, I gotta say, my I, I everybody thinks of Rose Nyland as her signature role. I never thought Rose Nyland was her signature role. I think she was Sue Ann Nibbins, the Mary Tyler Boy, the happy homemaker. That was Betty White. To well, me. The, and that's, that's, that is because you are a baby bone, where I think Sue Ann Nibbins still holds a big place for Well, her. you know what it is, is that she had this wholesome, clean image. Yeah. And they put her in that role. Actually, they weren't even considering her for that role. They just said they wanted a, a Betty White type because she was supposed to be like this sweet, happy homemaker, but she's a raging slut in her real life. Yes. And she uh, and Betty White, you know, because Mary Tyler Moore told Betty White they were looking for a Betty White type to play this role. And she says, don't look for a Betty White type. You got Betty White here. I'm gonna, <laughs> I will do it. And it wasn't supposed to be. It was only supposed to be like a guest spot. And she was so popular, she became a regular. Right. And she filled the void when Valerie Harper 
and Cloris Leachman left. Mm. And her first episode, I remember, was when Sue Ann has an affair with Phyllis Lindstrom, Cloris Leachman's husband, mm. character's husband. And it was hilarious. And that's the first time I had ever seen her really show her comedy chops. And then she had her own spinoff after Mary Tom Moore, but it didn't last long. But Golden Girls, since she got so well-known as the, the wild nympho woman, she was originally cast as Blanche. And Rue McClanahan had been on with, uh, another show with B. Arthur called Maud, where she played the ditzy, wide-eyed, innocent woman and uh, uh, Vivian Harmon, Maud's best friend and the next-door neighbor. So they had that's why they wanted her for Rose. But they decided to switch roles because they, they had mm -hmm. done that already. Now, I am sorry that happened. I'm going to tell you, I always felt like when Betty White played Sue in that Nivens, it was natural. It flowed. But I always felt that when she was playing stupid, it was forced. You could see her acting. Ruben Clanahan was good doing either one. Because if you ever watch old uh, reruns of Maud, it's on internet movie, Battle Days. She's Because I rod, she says, well, I can't imagine her as dits. And the I said, watch this. And he was watching. And he goes, okay, now that I'm watching this, I'm having trouble seeing her as Blanche. Because <laughs> she played it so, it was so, so, so natural. Both of them. And I think a little bit, there's a little bit of her in both of those characters. That's probably why. And it's so funny because Vivian Harmon was a gigantic prude. <laughs> like a very, you know, much, much more prudish than, um, than, than, uh, than Blanche. So, but uh, but Betty White went on, and then she went on. And her next iconic character was Elka on Hot in Cleveland. Yes, the, you know the the, the the wisecracking old lady. So she has done all these different roles, and we are gonna miss her. And you know, it's and something... she and, and the great funniest thing is she. Oh, I didn't get to do Saturday Night Live and think until 2010, and she was uh, 88 years old. And it was one of the best rated Saturday Night Lives ever. Was the uh, one with her as the host. Well, Betty, we're gonna miss you. And um, I found we, we found out later so she had had a stroke, like a week before ah. she died, and they they kept it from the because they were trying to hoping that she'd hold on until her hundredth birthday, uh -huh. but she couldn't. But she had a stroke like a week before, like like, like I think it was like Christmas Day. That's terrible to do that to us on Christmas. And um, listen to me. <laughs> Pull the woman had a stroke, and I'm thinking, that, and I'm taking it as something against me. But you know, one of the other podcasts I listened to, the girl said, "Who else on earth was ever 99 years old? Left us at 99, and we still feel as though we wanted more." Yeah, I mean, we were always wanting more. Yeah, and we still do. But she left us with a lot. We we have a lot of Sue Ann Nivens, a lot of Rose Nyland. And a lot of Elka. And other characters, too. And another one, you know, another one of the iconic characters is Ellen Harper on Mama's Family. There you go. Which is kind of a... And, they're only, and then another thing is, anything she touched, she was the star. Yeah. Because honestly, we were talking about this uh, with you. Remember the... Uh, the, her only ever stint into horror was Lake Placid, which isn't the greatest movie at all. No. But she's amazing. Everyone else is shit, but she's amazing. Yeah, and she says that. Uh, <laughs> she but, carries the movie. But, you know, she went from the the clean image to the dirty old woman, the dirty broad, and back to the clean image again, then back to the dirty broad. 
Yeah. Because <laughs> she had me, you know, she, she had the sweet image with the animals and everything, and then Sue Ann Divins, and then back to the sweet image as Rose Nyland, and then back to the dirty old broad as Elka. And talking about the animals, though, that was something... I mean, I know she didn't want us to remember her more for that than for her, her roles. But we're not going to. And she was... <laughs> we can well, remember her roles. Well, no, we're going to remember her roles, but we're going to... No, she really did make you care about the animals. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think we call her America's grandmother, but she's also... Amer- uh, she's America's zookeeper and, and animal care person. I mean, if we so they so the animals lost a huge champion. Yeah, they did. And it's it's um, but but I heard a lot of good has come out of this. There's been a lot of money donated to charities, animal uh, care charities, animal rescue charities in her name, and I think that's quite amazing. So Betty White, you enjoy all of the animals up there that have passed the Rainbow Bridge. I'm sure you're hanging out with them, petting them, having and conversation. I'm sure that, um, and with the other girls up there, y'all have y'all pieces of cheesecake as much uh, as y'all I'm want. Sure, I'm sure there is a big old reboot of Golden Girls. And my cousin Jennifer is getting to watch all the new episodes. And that fridge <laughs> is stocked with the cheesecake. Right. Even though B. Alpha hated the cheesecake. <laughs> all right. Rest in peace, Betty White. We rest love you. Rest in peace, Betty. We 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 glad that we had you, and we're glad that we left us a beautiful legacy. All right, this next obit is wow. This this man is one of the premier directors in Hollywood of all time. Uh, Peter Bogdanovich, Oscar-nominated director and champion of Hollywood's golden age, died at eighty-two. His career includes his 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 body of work includes movie uh, pictures like. The Last Picture Show, What's Up Doc, Paper Moon, and Mask. He has directed huge stars like Ryan O'Neill, Ryan and Tatum O'Neill in Paper Moon, Madeline Kahn, Barbara Streisand, Cher, all these different, and, and, and all his movies, well, with maybe, and Sybil Shepherd. We can't forget Sybil Shepherd. Oh, yeah. He, he made Sybil Shepherd a star. Um, he died uh, in his house. He, he died at home shortly after midnight. It says midnight Thursday on here, according to his daughter. And it says, I dearest Peter passed away from complications of Parkinson's disease. And um, he, he was married to um, Dorothy Stratton's sister. And he had dated Dorothy Stratton, too, which is a little on the creepy side. But anyway, um, I, know, I loved What's Up, Doc. With, with Barbara Streisand and Ryan O'Neill, did you ever see that? The, I think so. And the little overnight bags, and they it's all chased them. Yeah. It was Madeline Kahn's first film. Yeah, it's been a while. So he gave us Madeline Kahn. He gave us Sybil Shepherd. He pumped up both Barbara Streisand and Cher's movie careers. Mm-hmm. Even though there's, it's rumored that he and Cher didn't really get along on set, but he sure did get a great performance out of her, didn't he? That's all that so matters. Rest in peace, Peter Bogdanovich. Dead at eighty-two. All right, who we got next? Let's see, we have, oh, yeah, that's another thing. We also lost an icon of the fashion world. Andre Leon Talley, the pioneering Vogue editor, he died at the age of 73. He was a larger-than-life figure, and um, he was one of the 
One, he was one of the judges for America's Top Model, wasn't he? America's Next Top Model. Yeah. Yes. He um, and they said the loss of Andre is felt by many of us. The designers he enthusiastically cheered on every season, and those who loved him for it. The generations he inspired to work in the industry, seeing a figure who broke boundaries while never forgetting where he started from. And he was also an icon in fashion himself. He wore he wore some really outrageous stuff, didn't he? Oh, yeah. And he also was a big old champion in the LGBTQ community, too. He, he, uh, he fought for marriage equality. And he he and and he was he's a role model for young LGBT peoples, you know, young queer people. So, uh, anything you got to say about him? Oh, just just I mean, I know you were mentioning uh, America's Next Top Model, but just the modeling world and the fashion world at large. Yeah, he was the champion for a lot of uh, of young, but back then men and women. What's really? But specifically, a lot there are a lot of. The supermodels we think about have really come out and said their careers would not have happened were it not for him. Tyra Banks, Naomi Campbell, mm-hmm. even even recently Winnie Harlow. I don't know if you yeah. know, you know him. Yeah, about. yeah. So I I mean their careers owe a huge huge debt to Andre Leon Talley. Well, and he, and he also showed us that male that men's fashion doesn't have to be boring. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Because, yeah, well, I mean, come on, I mean, it's been the same basic suit for the past hundred years. <laughs> it's, you know, I mean, with the 80s, we got a little, with the, with the shoulder pads and the big old wide pants, we got a little bit of creative, the 80s and 90s, but uh, he's really evicted up. Okay, so, um, ah, the music world. Music world lost a real icon. I want more than one just icon. This is the first one we're going to talk about, Meatloaf. Who is known best? He, he had one album that is still to this day a bestseller, the Bad Out of Hell album. Oh yeah! And he 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 created the power ballad. Oh, the power ballad. Yes. Um, <laughs> two out of three ain't bad. And uh, uh-huh. he was born Marvin Lee. A day in Dallas, Texas, on September 27, 1947, and he used his inheritance from his mother's death to move to Los Angeles, where he formed the Meatloaf Soul, the, the band. And the name Meatloaf apparently came from his football coach because of his weight, as we used to call him uh, meat, uh, Meatloaf, because he was a big man. And then uh, his first concert was in California in 1968, opening for Van Morrison. A brown eye girl. Now he's also known to audiences, and he's kind of he he has a uh, besides his support for marriage equality and, and different things, he's notable in the LGBT community for his role of Eddie in the Rocky Horror. Yes, and uh, where he uh, he comes in on the motorcycle and then gets murdered by Frankenfurter. <laughs> I love okay. I hate to admit I did watch Celebrity Apprentice when it was on. And I hate to admit this, but did you watch it too? You might as well admit it because I just did. Oh, everybody's watched Celebrity Apprentice. Okay. Do you remember him and Gary Busey? Oh God, Gary Busey. Gary Busey was doing every. Uh, uh, Gary Busey was just 
aggravating the hell out of him. And this man was so patient, and he he, you know, he understood. You know, the man had a head injury, but but they were doing some art project, and Gary Busey, I think, took his paint, and he went off. Oh my God! I think all the pent up rage he was feeling just blew up. It was like a boil exploding. <laughs> And uh, he just went off on him, cussed him out, and they filmed it all and, and aired it. <laughs> but I was waiting for it to happen. I was delighted to see Gary Busey finally get what was coming to him. All right, now we got somebody that we're not so sorry is dead. Mm. It's Robert Durst, the real estate heir Mm-mm. and murderer, the wealthy New York real estate heir and failed fugitive. He was dogged for decades with suspicions of the disappearing deaths of those around him before he was convicted of killing his best friend and sentenced to life in prison. He was 78. And didn't you say he was captured right here in New Orleans? Something. There was a connection. Yeah, I think he was. There was definitely a New Orleans connection to it. Yeah, yeah, he killed the Texas man who discovered his identity while he was secretly living in Galveston. And... um, there's a, a, I thought he was arrested here. I, mean, I may be wrong, y'all, but actually, thought, we really have to cover him. We, we, yeah, we may do that one. We have to cover him. So we're not going to give too much in spoilers and everything because we're going to do an episode on him. But all, we, we did want to report his old bit that he's dead. Mm-hmm. In, he died in prison at the age of 78. Yeah, that's enough on him for yeah. it now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we don't have to get him with okay, it's so. good. It's good when the trash takes itself out. So we got a couple <laughs> Oh, did I say that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, more, going back to people that we really actually feel sad about. Yeah, and we have two more comedians. I know, but laughter just got killed in 2022 so far. Yeah, we're going to start the, these two comedians with... Um, with Louis Anderson, the Emmy-winning comedian, he's dead at 68. Uh, he's a longtime comic, game show host, and actor who won Emmy for his role as uh, Christine Baskets in the FX series Basket, you know, the, the, the one where he was in drag. Oh, I know. He did that well, too, really well. Uh, he died in Las Vegas after undergoing treatment for cancer. For this, uh, he had, yeah, he had large B-cell lymphonia. Lymphoma, lymphoma, and um, he's best known for his brilliance versus turn in the 1988 comedy *Coming to America*, and he scored that role with, with Eddie Murphy as the sole white person in the groundbreaking film. And his role as Maurice, a seemingly mild-mannered McDowell Kirk, produced one of the most iconic soliloquies in comedy. Hey, I started out mopping the floor just like you guys, but now I'm washing the lettuce. <laughs> That's a great line, you know. Well, there he is as Christine Baskets. <laughs> he has really looked like a like 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 a woman cooking on TV. <laughs> <laughs> he did. And uh, Jim Gaff in the New York-based comic called him brilliant in a tweet in the post uh, that uh, told the post that Anderson really did did it all: stand-up, writing, game show hosting, animation, and acting. And he had a Showtime special that I must have watched 200 times, Gaffigan said. So anyway, well, rest in peace, Louis Anderson, 68 years old. Now the second one is particularly sad. Uh, this guy is the father figure to a lot of people your age. Uh, we, we, we know who we're talking about. We're talking about oh, Bob Saget. Bob Saget. The full house star of Full House is known as Danny Tanner also. 
uh, he uh, hmm. he was known best by audiences as a wholesome patriot, Danny Tanner. Now, he kind of has a Betty White vibe going with him. Because he was, uh, he he played that wholesome role, but if you ever saw his stand-up. Oh, gosh, yeah, he was he, stand-up. He was like LaWanda Page. <laughs> you know, she paid, played the religious Anesta, <laughs> and her stand-up was filthy. Oh, God. So he was 65. Oh, good Lord. He was only a year older than me. I just gave my age away, didn't I? So we are devastated. The Saget family said that they're devastated to confirm that our beloved Bob passed away today. He was everything to us, and we want you to know how much he loved his fans performing live and bringing people from all walks of life together with laughter. Though we ask for privacy at this time, we invite you to join us in remembering the love and laughter Bob brought to the world. He was found dead in his hotel room at the Ritz-Carlton in Orlando, according to Orlando Grand Lakes, according to a statement from the Orange County Sheriff's Office. Uh, it's, um, I remember him, you know, he's like I said, he's like around my age, so I can remember, you know, seeing that show and more relating with the father than the kids yeah. because I was already an adult. You know, it was the the sweetest uh, thing I had saw was uh, Jody Swinton. Mm-hmm. She said um, something along the lines of, uh, "Bob, you going so early? How rude!" <laughs> you know, because that character used to always say, "Yeah," and that that and that's how we feel like him leaving so earlier, uh, early. You know, it's like how rude. <laughs> oh, you know, just the universe doing that to us. Yeah, you know? the universe is just. I mean, they're just taking everyone that we love. Yeah. So rest in peace, Bob Saggart. Now we got a little song for this next one. Of course, my brother's all upset. They mad at me for taking mom on that road. They probably were right. And uh, so. About two days later, I remember I saw I know, remembered the cab company he was with, and I said, "You know what?" I told my mom, "I said I'm going to that cab company today, and I'm going to make that man take that money. I'm going to leave that money with his dispatcher. Then he's not going to have any choice but to take it." So I put. We had asked him his name, by the way, before that, and he said his name was Ronnie. So um, I had an envelope with the name Ronnie on it, and I go to there and I talk to the dispatcher. I said, "One of your drivers." I said, "My mom and I were on." the river road going to the ferry and your uh one of your drivers came and he brought us rescue us because i think these punks were going to try to hurt us mm. he may have even saved our lives they said oh that's great they said what was it what, did they give you his name i said yeah he said his name was ronnie and when i said that the guy's face turned white like a sheep he says ronnie he says are you sure it was ronnie i said yeah he said what did he look like i said he was tall he had like a little a little spinach beard and he had long hair he says, yeah, that sounds like Ronnie. He says, but it couldn't be. I said, why not? He said, Ronnie's dead. Oh. I said, oh, my God, when, what happened? Wow. I thought he had just died. He goes, Ronnie's been dead for several years now. Oh, my goodness. So I went home and tell Mom about it. Oh, she don't believe it. No, that's not true. You dreamed it. You ever had your mom tell you you dreamed something when you know it was true? You know you were really Right, right. <laughs> You dreamed it. There's no way. No, no, no. She, well, I found out later because she was scared. And I, so I said, okay, maybe so. And then I told that story after during the hurricane some years later. And she said, that did not happen. That did not happen. To the point where I just relented and said, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, maybe it didn't happen. Maybe I didn't. But it happened. It was real. So, yeah. 
That's my experience with the ghost cab. That's powerful. It is scary. It, it still gives me the creeps. And you know what gives me the creeps more than the ghost cab itself is what the, were those guys planning on doing to us? Well, I mean, that's where you have to be uh, thankful. I mean, nowadays that you actually have cell phones. Yeah, we, you see, we didn't. But uh, right after that, my brothers got my mom one of those cell phones. You know those big things that look like a bread oh my box? gosh, the early the early days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and people, nobody had cell phones like they do today because they were very expensive. You paid like two hundred dollars a month for ninety minutes. Yet they were really bulky, and you couldn't really carry them around. So we really, you know, nobody had cell phones in those days. But we really do take for granted. There are times when cell phones are so important for emergency purposes. I mean. We're looking at for especially road safety, calling AAA if you need, or some other um, road assistance. Just and even if nine one one, just nine one one. Well, you, you get no, roads. Everybody has roadside assistance with the well, insurance. Well, in your case, if, if, yeah. if things would have gotten weird, you could have called nine one one back then. If it would have. And been, the funny thing is, if if we wouldn't have taken her car, if we would have taken my cab instead. I would have had the radio there, and we would have had another cab driver come and help us right away. But we still would have been, we still got oh, yeah, my you, cab driver. You would have had at least the CB, yeah, the dispatch. And yeah. I wanted to take my cab, and she didn't like riding in my cab. She liked her car. So she wanted to take her car. But she didn't like to drive. She'd make me drive. That's mom's, you know? But anyway, I, that's like I said, what scares me more than the guy in the cab. African American kind of thing. But actually, she wasn't fully african-american she was more italian she was she was irish you know she was probably less african-american than anything else but you know how you know that especially here in the south if you just have a little african-american you're just black you know but i will say that she was one of the everybody credits diana ross would be in the first woman of color to become a superstar but i don't know i think it was ronnie yeah she was first and she she was a trailblazer and we love her so we wish you the best uh you were born oh well, let me just give you a little background she was born veronica yvette bennett in 1943 and she's known for singing the ronettes including hits be my baby and walking in the rain you remember walking in the rain you know what else they're known for too the christmas song the marshmallow christmas oh yes yeah. yes yes yeah it's they even used that to advertise the marshmallow um, when it came out. Uh, the Android. Android thing. <laughs> the Android, um, you know how they had, they used to name them after candy. There was nougat, marshmallow, yes. things like that. Anyway, rest in peace, Ronnie. We love you. Okay. So now we're done with all those sad obits. So now we got to hear some horoscopes. <laughs> you know what time it is. It's horoscope time, man. I've done enough singing, so I'm not singing the song today. And I guess as we're all like so depressed, so sad, I just figured, shit, I'm drowning all the songs. I'm drowning all of y'all we in a all frozen drowned? lake. We, in a frozen lake. You're Natalie Wooding us? I'm Natalie Wooding every <laughs> single last one of y'all all getting in, okay. in a cold-ass lake. Oh, my God. But which lake? Some of y'all are going to be drowned in, in uh, fictional lakes. Some are going to be drowned in real lakes. Well, let's find out. Aries. Well... Looks like you better watch out for the monster. You're going to be drowned in Loch Ness. Ooh. In Scotland. 
I thought he'd be on the fire lake with Uncle Joe. <laughs> <laughs> no, nope. looked like the Aries, you know, they thought they could go take a little travel to Scotland, and now they're going to end so up. So we can keep old Aunt Sarah away from, from Scotland, right? Because Uncle Joe's <laughs> not there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Taurus. I always wondered why he was afraid to cut the cake, but I don't know. <laughs> Not sure if it's in the canal or the actual lake, but uh, Taurus is, looks like y'all are going to be drowned in Lake Erie. Uh, Might even be the Erie Canal itself. <laughs> um, that's not Arise, that's Taurus, right? Yeah. That's Taurus. Arise is Barbara. Gemini. Is that, I, that's Barbara and Chair. Yeah, that's Barbara and Chair. Yeah. Have fun around Lake Erie. <laughs> oh, Lord. I, I hope neither one, none of them go to no. a... At least not those two. The other Tauruses, yes, but not Cher or Barbara. No, we got to protect Cher and Barbara. You know, we lost Betty, so now know, they're yeah, next yeah, in yeah. line. Yeah. Actually, they said Dolly Parton is the next person. Oh, Dolly Parton's younger than either one of them. But Dolly Parton took on the role now. Oh, no. As America's grandmother. No. Yes. Yes, yeah, she did. She's not a grandmother type. She did. She She's... took it on. She's no, it should be it should be Barbara. Actually, she's the one that's going to turn eighty this year. <laughs> and Sophia Petrillo age. <laughs> and Cher is following her. You know, it's just a few years. <laughs> well, Gemini, you might need to watch out for those. Oh, this is our rise. You might need to watch out for the canoe you're in. You might need to watch out for the arrows. <laughs> it looks like you're drowning in Spirit Lake in Idaho. You can really put Aras in the canoe. <laughs> actually, that thing will tip over in Spirit, no time. No, Spirit Lake, if no one knows what this is, actually, or it's also known as the Lake of the Spirits. Actually, uh, the local the local tribes in that area actually have there's differing accounts, but it's always this tragic love story about um, the 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 no matter which way it happens that these these lovers end up dying and. Oh. Uh, in, in the lake and they say that they, they can still hear haunting sounds and spirits oh, and stuff yeah we gotta do a show we gotta do an episode on that yeah but, right. but uh but yeah so th yeah go look that one up though that was an actual real lake and there's real there's some real uh, mm. uh native mythology around that yeah go, next is cancer that's you me Talking about mythology, we're taking you to Camelot. We're going to drown you in the Lake of Avalon. Oh, I'm going to get to meet the lady. Yeah, probably you were trying to take Excalibur when you weren't supposed to. Um, and Morgan Le Fay. Or you pissed off the fairies. I pissed off Morgan. Or you pissed off Morgana. Morgana. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you probably would. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I pissed off Morgana. I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> I can see Helen the Bonham Carter coming after me. <laughs> Oh, heading back to reality, probably uh, the deadliest lake in America. Leo's, we're drowning y'all in Lake Michigan. Oh. In the middle of winter. Oh, isn't that the, the source for the lead water in Flint? Probably so. Oh. Everything. Lake Michigan is the source of a lot Curtis of things. And you're putting Curtis. Lake Michigan is the source of a lot of things. You're putting Curtis. Now, admit, I've, actually, I've actually seen Lake Michigan. It's actually, I mean, I've been to Chicago. It's actually really pretty, actually. Oh, I'm but sure apparently is. it's very deadly. Yeah, I was actually when I was when I was coming up with the horoscopes, I was kind of debating where they give them Lake Michigan. In just a few seconds, right? Yes. Okay. <laughs>
Hey, do you have a podcast or maybe you're just thinking about starting a podcast? Well, I am Chris from Podtastic Audio, and here I show you tips and tricks on how to make your audio sound the best it possibly can with the gear you already have. With two years of experience on the Chris and Christine show creating the finest audio I possibly can make, I will show you the tips and tricks I have used on that show to make the audio sound fantastic. So if you have any podcast-related questions to your audio, you always can email me at podtasticaudio at gmail.com like this guy here did. His name is Joe. Joe writes in from the cast. Hey, Chris, when we all sit down together to record our episode, our audio is too low and it has a lot of echo in the recording. How do we make our show sound better? Well, Joe, is the microphone you're using rhyme with the name Betty? And is that microphone in the same room with you? I'd start with that stuff first. And for more podtastic audio information, you can go to anchor.fm slash podtastic audio, and you keep on making your amazing podcast. All right. So we're back, and we're going to be looking at the second story um, tonight, which is actually, uh, we're going to title it affectionately, Buddy's Chest. And it's more of a story, whereas Barry's was about external paranormal, uh, a personal connection, it was external manifestation. We're going to be looking at the idea of more empathy, empathic connections, which is more of an internal manifestation mm. that occurred with me. At the time that of this story occurred, I was actually living in a Victorian house in the lower garden district, oh. actually. So in a lot of Those homes, beautiful. they're beautiful. They've got the beautiful gables, yeah. you know, and it was a two-story home, and they had subdivided into about eight apartments. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they, they were doing that a lot in the, um, up until the 1970s because, they, you know, they used the, the conventional wisdom of the 20th century, the early 20th century, was what's old is no good and should be torn down. You know how many of those beautiful homes on St. Charles Avenue and in the Garden District were torn down to make way for, like, modern buildings and things it's really a shame oh wow well i actually had lived over the course of several years in this home i had actually lived in three of the different apartments in this house oh yeah <laughs> i had the when i first had moved in here which was like you really right, liked that, that building didn't right you? before katrina well i had gone back and forth you know but uh i had moved so many places in my, my early days of being in new orleans back in the early 2000s and all but uh but yeah we moved in like a little bit before katrina Originally, and I said I'd lived in seven, number seven, and I had lived in number four, which actually was the one that led out to the balcony. Oh, that was really that was really kind of fun. Uh, And then eventually, the final apartment I lived in, which is what occurred where this incident occurred, this story occurred, was in apartment number two. Wow. So to kind of give some framework of how the house was set up. The bottom, and mainly understanding where apartment number two, on the bottom floor, so when you would walk into the door, right there, like the the windows that were on the front porch and right there in from the front door, there was a side door. That was apartment number one. Okay. Right behind apartment number one as you went down the hallway was apartment number two. That was the apartment I was in. And then a little farther down, right at the very end, almost the the door kind of, Kind of cat corner came kind of right like right there at the end of the hall was apartment the door to apartment number three okay and apartment number three is where my neighbor buddy lived at the time and we everybody 
everybody in the apartment complex loved Buddy. You couldn't say anything bad about Buddy. He's he, like that old guy. That, that he was just so jovial. He was like this Santa Claus sea captain. I mean, he had the best stories. He'd probably be the one that like fix the little kids' bikes and stuff. That kind of guy. Definitely. Yeah. He just he 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 he. He even had this childlike nature about him. He wanted everyone to be a kid at heart, and he was trying always to be a kid at heart. And I mean, and, th- and this was an older that gentleman. This kind of sounds like me. We never, knew, <laughs> we never knew his age. We never forced to find out his age because he always wanted to appear and seem younger than he was. But as you see, I tell people my age. You know why? Because I want them to tell me how good I look for it. <laughs> Such so much vanity. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and there were several of us uh, young young gay men uh, that were living actually in the apartment complex in this home. So, and he never, never was that a problem with him. He always almost sounds like Barbary Lane. He almost even defended us. Tales like if he he never he said, hey, if anybody ever wants to harm you, put you down, hurt, he said, let me know. You know, yeah. he was always we were all like his children in a sense, almost like a male version of Olympia Dukakis in Tales from the City. So, like, like a straight white male, yes, version of a living in, in, yeah. in town. Definitely, definitely. Um, he was just wonderful. He, he, all, like I said, he had great stories. He was, a, at this time, he was still working actually in construction. And on the side, he loved to do some woodworking, which will also be important um, later in the story. And sometimes he'd also show us sometimes what he was working on or, or uh, what he had just fixed up, mm. you know, for his house. And so a lot of the things mm-hmm. that he brought into his home, he salvaged and repaired. And I just, I just love that. And I had grown up, my grandfather had actually been a carpenter and woodworker in yeah. construction. So there was a lot, I was just, I loved actually sitting down with Buddy. There was a lot just there to relate to that reminded Just me. what you say in about the now is putting a smile on my face because I can just, I know the type of person you're talking about. I've known people like this, yeah, and it's, it's, uh, this, it's either a lady that bakes for everybody and gets, sends you cookies and buys, buy, you know, cooks, cooks gumbo and brings gumbo to your house. Say, here, honey, I cook too much, and I can't eat all this. You take it. <laughs> <laughs> or a man, like I said, that you know, builds little things for you and fixes things that are broken in your apartment. I've known people like that. Yeah, and he just—he he, just—he was just wonderful. Yeah, all around wonderful. Sounds wonderful. like sounds like oh, sounds like a really cool dude. Well, around in August of two thousand eight, around probably around—I don't remember the exact evening, but it was—it was about probably about mid-August. Um, thinking about the timetable, looking back, um, he kind of was—we were all kind of. Uh, I had just gotten uh, home, maybe out with some friends. Or whatever, and um, we I saw Buddy was actually on sort of the porch, talking with some other stuff going on, and he he seemed not himself. Mm. He tried to you know always put a smile on when he saw us and was yeah. like, "Hi, how you doing?" And I said, uh, and I kind of asked him, "I said, Buddy, are you feeling all right?" And he's like, he had some concerns about his work and employment. Never had heard this before, you know, and. And and then he went on to mention kind of that he was struggling a little bit with his health. Like his he his seems like his diabetes had gotten significantly worse over the last couple of months 
before then, yeah. and, and he was struggling, and he was still enjoying, you know, a good drink. I mean, he loved his drink. I mean, yeah. and that's no judgment on him. I mean, if that was his, the way he lived his life, you know, you said that was two thousand eight, right? That was the year of the Great Recession. That's when the economy went belly up. Definitely. Well, we weren't. And you say he's a carpenter. That was a housing bubble. Like, burst. but we weren't there yet on that. The but big, he might have been losing, not getting but as much. Things work were starting to, to yeah. kind of have possibly. Yeah. And he was, and because of his health not doing so well, I think it was affecting the employment as well. Yeah. So all of this was sort of sending him into this slightly depressive state for our, for what we perceived. Not knowing that probably this being Buddy, and if I remember right, I think he was a Leo. I think he did mention that one time, either, which if he, even if he wasn't, he very much seemed like a Leo. You know, <laughs> financial stress can really bring on depression, because look at what's happening with us with this COVID stuff and how scared we get. There's a lot of people Every in time, America, you know, yeah. like, like the help runs out, there's still not the jobs there. And like in my case, as a, a Lyft driver, the business is gone. And then my on top of everything else, my doctor wants me to furlough because it's dangerous for me to be in small quarters with strangers. Yeah, and I know a lot of friends that are kind of like struggling with that concept right now. And then they stop, you know, the, the, the food bank stopped giving us food and all these other things. And that's, uh, that could cause a lot of stress, and it can bring on illness, especially if you're older. Yeah, and I can only imagine right now if there are even diabetics out there right now that are having maybe some substance issues. I'm not going to sit here and call claim Buddy was something or if he wasn't. It was his right to drink if he wasn't. He was struggling, though. We have to, When we look at this, he was struggling with diabetes. And there are people nowadays still struggling with diabetes me for one <laughs> you know. during this covid madness yeah because all during food, this well, economic well, it's down hard for you to get healthy food when you don't have the money to buy it and the, all and the you still worried about affording your insulin for some of these people well i don't even have that problem because luckily thankfully i don't have that either the but insurance it pays for my insulin and the insurance also pays for all of my medication so i was lucky enough that i've got a good plan but a lot of people can't afford their insulin you're right and then there's the food banks, like I was telling you about, they're not giving us things that don't have a lot of carbs. Like, you know, you get a lot of pasta and a lot of rice because they figure it fills you up. But those things spike your sugar, too, if you're diabetic. Like pasta and rice and bread and all this other stuff. Well, so... Going back to the story, you're right. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, 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 didn't mean to get, I didn't mean to get that far away from you. And we story. will. And we will. And we will probably. Well, well, we could definitely talk about that. But I want. I want to go back to Buddy for a second. Yeah, well, that's he's the reason why we're here. And and he's the reason we are definitely telling um, the story. So, uh, we have him harp on that too much because I saw it was kind of bothering him that night. And I just and I was a little tired from hanging out. And, um, I just said, you know. Um, just told him I have one. I told him like good night, and, and then I was gonna hope the best for him and all this, this yeah. stuff. And you know, he kind of said, "Well, thank you," and you know, he had a little smile on his face. But he just, it just wasn't the normal sunny disposition. Well, I went to bed that night, and a few days went by, and then something strange started happening. For for qu quite a few days in a row after that was that every time I would go 
to um, the bathroom in my apartment. Now you have to understand, my room was very, my my little apartment was very small. It was basically one big studio room, mm. a fabulous uh, fireplace mantle, you know, yeah. on that wall that was with uh, apartment number one person in apartment number one. But then it would lead to a bathroom, and that bathroom wall, the wall of that on the other side, would have been Buddy's apartment. Yeah, and that's the wall that had the mirror. Well. I would look in the mirror, and my face was looking strange. It was looking mm. all, like, gray-toned. Fuck. And even the skin looked, looked like it was drawn. Like, it didn't look like my face. Mm. And I was like, I'd look in the mirror, and I was like, kind of like, just touch my face. Like, what's going on? Like, it looked weird, you know? Yeah. Like, what is going on? So I was just like, I'd like, like, figure out, shake my head. I'd look up, and I still was seeing this. Yeah. I was like, this is not my skin tone because I'm looking down at my hands and my arms and I'm like, this is not going on. I get, a, I grab this little compact mirror that I had had sort of there and I kind of open it up and I'm like, okay, I'm my normal skin tone. Yeah. Everything's fine. Well, and then slowly the image on the mirror would go back to normal after I kind of had that realization. Yeah. Well, this went off and on for days same occurrence happened this gray skin drawn face never know what happened but it was your face yeah it was my uh-huh. face but all just strange yeah. well one night where um I'm, and, and this is where i get a little little, little confused i'm trying to remember if it was a wednesday night or thursday yeah. night, whatever but we were coming in one night and uh, uh some of my other friends who lived in some of the other apartments and we we made the comment like something sounds odd like somebody threw out some garbage with too much shrimp tails oh or something like God, something was off something off oh. but we didn't think anything of it we were just all so tired you know we, yeah. we were having a good time back in 2008 let me tell you we were partying with friends yeah. so we all went to bed and we rested up the next morning we hear all kind of commotion going on in the hallway yeah I'm like what is going on so I open up the door to my apartment to the hallway and there are police all in there and the landlord's there and said can you please get back in your apartment for right now i got in my apartment but as i backed away to close the door to my apartment i totally had recognized the smell in the hallway oh man it was this almost revolting acrid but strangely sweet smell that was undoubtedly had to do with flesh that had rocked. Oh my god! And the it's reason heartbreaking. I, and the reason I know the smell is because it was throughout the entire city after Katrina. Yeah, that's like right. Like this, this we we couldn't even. It was, it was about a month or more of that smell. You remember that? Well, I came back from New Jersey a year and a half later, and it was still there. Okay, but it was the worst. I came back a month after I had evacuated. Yeah, I can imagine what it was like a month later. Yeah. So. The police did all their stuff. Mm-hmm. They, they, um, they took care. It was it was Buddy. He had committed suicide. Oh my God. Oh, that's that's horrible. Uh, and we found out the landlord let us know what was going on, and, and especially for me since my he they knew that like my apartment was right there with his. I was always sitting there talking with him and different. They wanted to let kind of get they. The landlord made sure to make sure I had a little oh. more information than some of maybe the other tenants 
that were there just just because of being the apartment that was right there, you know? Well, what could have been going on in his life to make him do that? I just, I just go back to that night on the porch. Oh. I go back to the night on that porch where he just was not himself. Yeah. And you think, thinking, what could I have done? Maybe something I could have said or did to him could have stopped this. But you know what? You couldn't have stopped it. You couldn't have done it. And this wasn't... And I'm about to mention in graphic detail, and that's and and and, and 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 the reason I'm about to do this is 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 you need to understand what was going through his mind yeah. and how it was going. That's the only reason I'm describing this. It's not to be graphic just for graphic's sake. It's to give an understanding of why. In his apartment, there was you have like a lot of the rooms in New Orleans house have like different little doors and doorways and stuff. And some of these yeah. old Victorian homes will have the doorway. There will be the door frame at the top. And then there's a transom window above that. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I've been seeing a lot of doors. He like had that. opened the transom window and basically had, had hung himself with a belt oh. as he strung up and knocked himself off the chair. Oh man. His body had actually been there a week and he had turned the air conditioner up. So it had been almost, the, I guess the corner turn had been about a week. Like it was refrigerated. Yeah. Sort of. And that's why it did not smell until a week later, about the time that we all started but smelling the shrimp. You up. were looking into the mirror and seeing. So the days before, he was already dead and his spirit most likely was in there. And it was trying to communicate or trying to let me know that, something, that was, something off. was off. Yeah. Oh. It's also bizarre because the way in which he did it, he only used what he had around him. Which, if you are having, say, an episode of severe depression or things like this, it's not thought out like, oh, let me go get a gun and put a bullet in it. Yeah. This was like he took a belt, he saw where he had, and he just did this. It's also hanging, he, there's also hanging almost leaves this thing of where maybe someone will hurry and find me, maybe someone will hear whatever, maybe I have a or chance. Maybe I'll change my mind, I'll take it, and then the thing got knocked off, and he, he may not no even way. wanted to do it. And these houses are pretty solid, so it really... And, 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 and you know, you can't blame yourself for this. Like, how old were you with this, for 25, 26, something like that? Oh, there's nothing I could have done. I mean... No. I mean, if you... I know... I don't know if I would have even been there if the night when felt, it happened. If you would have felt guilty that you didn't see, try to find out where he was and knock on the door. But you know when you're 25 or 26, or especially a 26-year-old The only old, thing I might have held a little for a moment towards myself, but I'll tell you why I don't hold, hold things against myself. No, you should. You in a moment why I don't, which is very important. But the, re the only thing was that maybe I should have spent a little more time to talk to him that one night, but then I, I can't do that to myself. Because you can't live on that kind of regret, you know? Yeah. Plus, knowing Buddy, he wouldn't have wanted us to do that. Yeah. So there was a um, a woman who actually worked for the landlord that was also a really good friend of Buddy's. And we all kind of knew her over the years. Anyway, yeah. she, she would sit out back and we'd all, yeah. or in the front porch, and we'd all communicate. And for all intents and purposes, I'll just call her Angel. Mm-hmm. And she was wonderful because she actually did, for the landlord, for several properties they had, she actually did a lot of times certain um, cleaning services and other things. And she actually did clean the apartment. Um, and subsequently, she also knew how to do spiritual cleansing as well. Oh. So she, 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 she was definitely versed in the arts to be able to do some of that 
those yeah. kinds of things as well, and to make sure his spirit was at peace. Well, just a couple of days, though, after, you know, they had discovered his body, she had done the mm -hmm. cleaning, all that stuff, we had to evacuate for Gustav. Maybe that was a good thing. Maybe, even though Gustav and the evacuation yeah. was horrible, maybe it was good to just get away for for you know five day a week however i can't remember how long we were going for a good while we had evacuated to atlanta thank you atlanta for housing us back in 2008 well, I went to baton rouge and the storm hit baton rouge <laughs> yeah but we went all the way to atlanta evacuated into with the a group storm. of friends so yeah but we got back about a little less than a week later we got back into the city got back um to the apartment and we realized the landlord was starting to now they had done all the major cleaning yeah. they were starting to clear out items of buddies trying to make certain certain things went to they contacted some family members of his yeah. made sure they got those items that were personal and all but one thing that they put out in the hallway and it sat there for a little while was this chest and I've actually posted the pictures online yeah, like of, a cedar chest. of this chest, and it was a cedar. It was a cedar chest, and um, I knew it came from, and nobody said anything. And then one day, um, the landlord, I guess I'd seen him or whatever, and he said, and he just let me know. He's like, "Do you do you, do you want this? Nobody wants this." And it was, buddy was going to probably work on or done and i yeah. had talked about him doing the woodworking he loved to rehab stuff yeah i felt a little odd for a moment but then i thought he saw value in this this was something this was one of the projects he had meant to work on he never got around to yeah. it whether it was he just didn't have the time or the depression started to set in or whatever was going on but he had intended he had mm -hmm. saw value yeah and i couldn't let them just throw it out on the street no so I take I take the cedar chest, easily move it to my apartment. I did a slight little, because one friend was acting up a little bit. I was like, okay, I'll disinfect it so you'll just stop, you know, like the outside and all. Mm -hmm. It was cedar chest anyway, so the inside yeah. smelt still like cedar. Didn't smell yeah. like none of it smelt like how cedar actually yeah. has this wonderful way of that smell is so I distinctive. I know, you know, the cedar chests were usually things that would be a gift from the bride to a bride. Oh, definitely. And that's where they would keep, before the wedding, they would keep all their their presents or things that had been given to them. And then after the wedding, that's where they would store their wedding gown. And those things were sold a lot in, in um, like, up until, I'd say, the 1970s. Oh, wow. Well, I don't know if it would have been the night of or, like, the next night that I had moved this chest in because mm -hmm. my memory fades a little bit but after i had moved the chest into my room and remember the apartment had already been spiritually cleansed all that had happened i went to bed that night and mm -hmm. i had one of the most beautiful dreams oh buddy is walking through the gate the front gate into the house wonderful smile on his face everything including around him his aura had a nice golden hue oh and it was his way of letting me know he had moved on oh and all was well that is that's wonderful because he saw so much value in this chest i also noticed something i had looked inside and to my surprise when i'm looking at the cedar i had noticed a little marker in there a little plaque kind of a little yeah. small little 
plaque. And I actually have a picture of that on there, too. And it came... Yeah, the, the pictures of this, by the way, are on all our social media sites, which I'll give you all the information, all the links to that after this story. So on there, it was from and manufactured by the H, and I'm making this wrong, Pukov or Pukov uh, company in New Orleans. Who's, and we will, and I really want to read, and their showroom was on 239 Dauphine Street. So I want to read, and I'll mention that again in this article. I want to read this article. I'm trying to think of what's there, man. It was an ad article from, it's actually a boutique. It's like the, I think the Cutie Pie Boutique or whatever is actually Dauphine, right. Dauphine, yeah. The numbers have changed slightly, but the building that is still It might there. be uh, Carl Max Costume Studio, man. Because they changed the, um. No, no, no. His studio was actually on another. That was a little farther. That was around on the other corner. I well, think. he's at the 200 block. Yeah, yeah. He was on the front end. Yeah. I think the Museum of Death is also in the middle. And of the, <laughs> there was a pet shop there, but it's a, it's a, um, like a, a restaurant now, a seafood restaurant, I believe. It was a diner or something type thing. So I'm gonna read this article from the Herald. It was the issue on November 10th, 1921. And this Almost is exactly a hundred years ago. And this was this was talking about the offerings that the H. Pukov um, company had. It says it's net titled "A Useful and Cherished Gift." And, and that wonder was also what I think Buddy and, saw yeah, in it. He saw the use, it, and yeah. he saw that the. It, the keen competition of modern commercial industrial life has demonstrated the cardinal fact that the best and most lasting results are always to be obtained by specializing. To attain the large measure of success that is and has been his share, this was the plan of Mr. H. Pukov, who enjoys the distinction of being the oldest and largest manufacturer of cedar chests and wardrobes, having been the pioneer in this industry in New Orleans. Today, there are few homes in which the cedar chest or wardrobe is not in use. For aside from being an ornamental article of home furniture, its value has preventive from moths has long been proven. This establishment is equipped with every facility for the manufacture of its product. The prompt and satisfactory handling of their large business and from an inspection of the large stock of chests and wardrobes, it is easy to understand how it is this firm stands in the front rack. The H. Pukov showroom at 239 Dauphine Street shows the largest and most distinctive display of cedar chests and wardrobes of any shop in the city. Made in many different designs and sizes or any size or design will be made to individual order. The Pukov Manufactory is located at 531-33 Dauphine Street, which is actually now um, just residential, okay? Uh-huh. Only the genuine Tennessee red cedar lumber is used in the manufacture of Pukov chests, wardrobes, and chiffre robes, and this, together with the highest quality workmanship, make these the best to be secured and Pukov prices are lower. I love that article from oh, it gives a little history the, of the Herald, of the and that gives us a little itself. history, but yeah. it also shows that Buddy knew this value. I decided never to rehab it because that was Buddy's no, job, it's gotta, yeah. and I want to hold that memory. But he always intended to do that, and so by leaving it unfinished, now the inside is pretty immaculate on the cedar. 
that's the beauty of cedar on the inside. It stays pretty immaculate. But the outside is still very kind of worn wood, and you'll see that if you look at the photo. But I have used it for different things. I have actually used it, um, put some little cloth over it, used it as a base on an altar before. I actually have a different altar table now. But I've also, right currently, it's being used to keep keepsakes and things inside it. Yeah, well, like I said, that's what they were used. That's Actually, that's where the bride would store her wedding gown after the, after the wedding, after the marriage. But she would have things that she needed for the wedding, you know, like the something borrowed, something blue, and those type of things. They would save the... Um, they, they called it a hope chest sometimes, too, but they would save the dress for the daughter to wear when, in her way. That, that's, that was and the wonderful thing is, even though I've then. moved from that apartment and now I'm living in the Gentilly area instead of Lower Garden District, I have moved it into my home. It stays with me everywhere. Yeah, I, I saw it when, when, we, when we recorded that episode. Definitely, you got, to, you got to actually see it I in person. It it's pretty large, isn't and it? it? And it is. Uh, well, I'll, I'll get to that after you're through. So... Is he, do you ever still hear anything from him, or has he moved on, you think? He moved on. Never heard anything. And then, you know, that's that's the beautiful thing. He moved on, but I think there's still a piece of him that sticks and with And you have it. And you, you always can have that to remember everybody. Yeah. Wow. But I, And it, it's just those internal paranormal. He was screaming out before he was at rest, and then he was at rest. He came through dreams. And that's... Oh. It's probably... Other than a few other like f family members where I've had some paranormal manifestations, outside of family, he, that was probably the most significant and one of the most significant um, paranormal encounters with the spirit I had. Oh, wow. That is absolutely wonderful. Well, Phil, before we go, don't you we have do any... We do need to we want to talk about, because of this story, we do want to talk about suicide prevention. Yes. And we... And if anyone out there is struggling through something, we need y'all to um, really seek help. Don't, whether, whether it's, it's because of other conditions that are causing the thoughts or whatever may be happening, we want you to know there is help and we want to provide the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. The phone number is 1-800-273-8255. It is available 24 hours a day, and the prompt is also in English and in Spanish. Um, so definitely give that a call if you or someone you know needs that help. Now I want to do something that I should have done last week. I want to uh, share another um, another hotline. Um, last week we did the Sylvia Likings thing about a very right. very abused child. Well, what I wanted to do is say that if you suspect a child is being abused or neglected, child help can be reached seven days a week, 24 hours a day, at its toll-free number, 1-800-4-A-CHILD, or 1-800-422-4453. Call that number if you have any suspicions at all. I would much rather be wrong and proven wrong than to let a child, something like what happened to Sylvia, happen to another child. So, um... If you want to see Buddy's, Buddy's chest, we have it on our social media. And I will actually also put up the Herald article soon. I will put that up on the uh, social media. Okay, great. Well. Would you, yeah, you, can, you put that up and then we'll share it on all the social media sites. So our Twitter is at A Shutters. Our Instagram is at Open Shutters Podcast. And our Facebook page is the official page for Open Shutters which we have, uh, I'm going to put this link on the uh, social media, but it is just too complicated for me to say <laughs> on here. So anyway, that is our show for this week. Uh, 
we, oh, we, you know, happy 2021, happy new year to everybody. And just remember, enjoy the view from the open shutters. But don't fall out the window. Said goodbye, everybody, and ha have a great 2021. And we're going to be with you through the entire year. So you will have a great 2021. Bye-bye. looking at things I don't want to I I can't say whether there was or wasn't racism in it but what I can say is it was opportune and the reason it was opportune was goes back to what I was culturally saying how many young gay Chinese will come to Canada and they'll be able to live out their life there's a freedom they have especially at this time Unlike maybe now, in that in this time frame that we're talking about, just yeah. ten years ago or so, this was, was what about ten years ago. Yeah, and that freedom allowed them to explore and things. Now, I think at the time in internet, you're hooking up. I don't think 2012 there was sort of grinder. I mean, early my early stages of grinder and stuff, but basically everything was still kind of Craigslist and all mm -hmm. there, and that was really kind of the way most people were using sort of. To, to hook up or find ways. Yeah, because like the grinder and the Tinder and all that came later. Yeah, and also if this was a, um, a young gay Chinese guy, Jun Lin, he probably thought, okay, if I get on Craigslist, this is a good Craigslist, it's probably not that big of a deal. Whereas if he would have downloaded an app, that might have got more noticed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And right. that might have got. So um, I think in a sense, it just allowed him to live out, you know, sort of his hopes, his fantasies, his freedom that he felt that he could try to have. And and that's kind of a tragedy when we look at this is for June Lin, which we have to, we, I know we're talking a lot about Luca Magnani, but we need to talk about June Lin, is the sad things is we take for granted sometimes in America and in Canada the freedoms we have as LGBT plus yeah. people. We, we really do take for granted you know, other people from other countries don't have always those freedoms or there's more fears, whether it be culturally, gov their government, whatever it may be. And I think that, in a sense, we have to realize the fight is not over. Because, yeah. I mean, it's never were, this, be over. were this now days, I don't think this would happen in 2022 or may not easily as happened because I think things have changed with the Chinese people with somewhat, not completely, but I think things are changing. I also think younger people are finding more freedom that, so they may be meeting in a better way, you know? Yeah. So we have to look, I think 10 years ago, this was, it was a different world. It was a different place. It was a different yeah. person for a young gay Chinese person, even 10 years ago. Yeah. So anyway, after he is, he's, he's caught the rest in June 10, 19th, 2012, he appeared in court through a video link to plead not guilty to all charges through his lawyer. 
And then on June twenty first, he oh appeared. he did break. Remember, remember how they had to bring him back? They actually had the had the Canadian Air Force or whatever. They had to bring the mm-hmm. one plane actually yeah. over to, to pick him up. And then he requested a trial by jury, and the preliminary uh, hearing began on March eleventh, twenty thirteen. And uh, June Lin's father also, um, uh, Dyron Lin, traveled from China to attend the hearing. That was heartbreaking. And yeah. one of uh, Magnata's lawyers. Resigned due to a conflict of interest, which I'm not sure what that was. But expert, there were witnesses, including a forensic pathologist, a forensic toxologist, a forensic odonatologist, and a blood stain analyst, data recovery specialist, and an internet investigation officer. And the, the prosecution also display, displayed video evidence when they, they played the video in both. Uh, June Lin's father and Luca physically collapsed at several times during this. Mm. And uh, he was in, on April 12, 2013, he was indicted on charges of first degree murder, offering indignities to a human body, distributing obscene materials, using postal service to distribute obscene materials, and criminal harassment. So he was um, he elected to be tried by a judge and jury. And he pleaded not guilty, admitting acts accused of, but uh, admitting to, the, to what he did, but he claimed diminished responsibility due to mental disorders. He's saying he, he's trying to, the um, insanity defense. <laughs> Let's lock him up with the criminally insane. So uh, <laughs> six tools, a pair of scissors, two knives, a screwdriver, an oscillating saw and hammer, were recovered outside his apartment, analyzed by ballistic experts, and they said that none of them could could be linked to the killing, but but that no skeletal marks suggested that the screwdriver and scissors were used, but some were consistent with the saw and knife and uh, exacto blade, and um, mm. they tried to argue, uh, you know, a um, a you know sort of a mental illness thing. Now, when Tang came out, he was obsessed with the movie Basic Instinct. And in Basic Instinct, it, it, it begins with a woman having sex with a man, but a woman played by Sharon Stone having sex with, with a man and killing him with an ice pick. And he was obsessed with... Um, He even used the name Tremel, and Sharon Stone's character's name was Catherine Tremel. Yeah. In that film, he he had a real obsession for that movie. So um, he wound up being convicted. And uh, oh, that's another thing too. Okay, his mother. Did you see that? His mother said some man named Manny. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Forced him to commit the murders. He told her that. Well, it turned out that that was the name of Manny Vasquez, the name yeah. he used, yeah. was Catherine Trammell's fiance in Basic Instinct. Exactly. And the mother tries to claim the certain piece of video, this other hand or whatever. Okay. The guy is so narcissistic, he'll create a situation to fit whatever narrative he's trying to create, okay? That hand, when I looked at that part of the documentary, mm-hmm. could have easily been like a mannequin hand or something. Oh, yeah. 
Of course it was. So the mother trying to claim that shit? Come on. And I mean, she still to this day thinks that he's innocent with this overwhelming evidence. I think the mother has some narcissism herself. Well, she's, well, I mean, she locked the, the, the rabbits outside. Exactly. She kind of kooky herself. She's not, she's not exactly. Uh, so he's had, he, he was diagnosed with many different um, uh you know disorders, including borderline personality disorder with histrionic traits, antisocial personality disorder, narcissistic personality disorder, paranoid schizophrenia, and uh, what's the what's this other one? Um, and uh, yeah, and yeah, that, yeah, that's a narcissistic histrionic personality disorder. And um, he had been he had been um, diagnosed with paranoid paranoid schizophrenia when he was a teenager, and he does have traits of all those things. And the narcissism comes from him with all the uh, the different uh, Facebook pages. Oh yeah, all the internet. The internet just this is a this is a crime that never could have happened in the nineteen seventies or eighties. Right, 80s. exactly. It couldn't have happened before, say, uh, Y2K, I would say. Probably not. Maybe not. Maybe even later than that. Because you, you needed the internet to be at a certain the internet, level. Yeah, the internet was in its in infancy in the 90s and the but 2000s. But also, I don't see where the crime could happen now because the apps and the internet have evolved where it would have to be a totally different kind of crime in the way. And I don't think... Yeah, this would, is definitely a product of its time. And I don't think he would have been able to get away like he did for as long as he did. He almost... He really could have got away with it, actually, if he wouldn't have been in that damn cafe in Berlin. And if he what his narcissism is what did him in. Actually, I'm glad he got caught. Yeah. But I'm just saying... It's his narcissism, and he really, if he would have laid low in Berlin, he could have figured things out and got himself. Actually, if he would have went deeper, a little deeper in Eastern Europe, he could have probably just survived and lived a life somehow. Now, I wanted to talk about the, the documentary for a while. I want to talk about some of the people in the documentary. That woman was a badass. The woman <laughs> who originally, what was her name? Wasn't Deanna? Was it though? No. Yeah, I think it was Deanna. Let me, but what was the what was her handle? I've always been special. What was wait, 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 wait. Did she have a fun handle? Like she her did. Name? She did have a fun handle. But she worked. Yeah, she worked as an. Wasn't she an analyst? She worked for, in for the uh, casino. 